I'm going to tell you a, a little short story, um, the kind of along the lines. When you were telling me this story, one of the things that came to my mind was there was a guy that uh, approached me and my buddy of mine, Squid, and uh, another one of my friends, Roger, who's deceased, has been gone for a long time. This was years and years ago. I'm talking like, I don't know, maybe mid-2000s or something. Guy approached us, and he, I met him through a bartender at, at the bar that I used to work at, and I would go in there still and frequent it. And he told us about uh, he had – he needed to get in touch with somebody from the military, and and we knew somebody. So we connected him with this person, and we were having a business lunch with him. And the guy that, that uh, my friend brought to meet him um, – they 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 talked and this this guy this individual had something um that could potentially save lives in Iraq and in effect Afghanistan and and whatever was going on over there he could have helped with that and and it was very obvious you know and this uh, higher up military f- official told him he says that that'll never see the light of day i mean he's like it's a good idea it's great it could you know but it's not going to – nothing is going to come of it. You can't – you know, it's they're just not – it's not going to work. Well, he, you know, this guy got frustrated and he said, you know, he goes, I feel like there's dark power just literally working against me. And I, and, and I told him, I said, what do you mean? He goes, because this thing could save lives, you know, and, 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 it, and, and it was just never going to see the light of day because I'm a nobody and I can't get my foot in the door, you know. And this, this person told him, you know, that's pretty much it. You know, you're not going to be able to get the contract. It's not going to work. So I felt bad for the guy, you know, and he told me a story. He said that when he was uh, near a military installation, I'm not going to – he told us specifically which one it was, but he, he said that I he went to this military installation. He was waiting outside the perimeter of it, waiting to go in and talk to somebody supposed to meet with someone, and that that never materialized. He said that he, he camped outside of this area about two – he went to about two miles down the road, and he pulled over and he went to sleep. And he said he it was very uncomfortable in his vehicle. So he decided to go and camp down near this creek. And so he walked down this hill and he goes near this creek. And he says in the middle of the night, he hears this yelling and screaming and howling, very similar to what you were talking about. And he said that at one one point, he heard like splashing through the water like like a person. You know, he like you said, he could tell it was two legs. This guy was, ex, this guy was an ex-military uh, person or whatever. He was not... A special forces. He was not in. The, he was not very high up or anything like that. He was just a smart guy that had a very cool invention, and he um, he was going to show this invention to this this person, this military person that was supposed to meet him. And um, so anyway, he 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 was just like a regular. You know, he had been in the army and he got out and was was came up with an idea. You know, a novel idea. And so he said that uh, it was he he got the impression in his in his mind that whatever this was it was crossing the water was evil and that it was going to try to kill him because it didn't want what he had to be shown to whoever and he really felt like it it wanted this this thing not to be you know and it could be a paranoid mind i don't know maybe he was just already kind of freaked out or something but he said that he sat there on, on, on near the near the bank for a minute and he heard the water and he he turned and he looked and he didn't see it and then he would hear then he then when he started looking over the water he said that he he would hear as soon as he turned his head it would like it would take two steps wading across this creek and then he was like okay so now i know i heard that and he said the water was probably a little less than waist deep you know that from what he could estimate when he had thrown some rocks in there earlier and he said that uh eventually he got up he got spooked and then he heard the water moving quickly he turned around and he looked and this thing whatever it was um, had come out of the water because it was on land. So he was running up the hill and he fell and he fell down into like this, uh, like really tall grass. And he thought, okay, maybe I can hide from this. This thing came up because it was right behind him. It came up over the top of him. And he said, he got, he got a look at it through the moonlight and it was like glimmering kind of shimmery. Like, and and I was, I'm going to talk about it when, when I was talking about the the glimmer, I'm going to do a show about this, these glimmer, uh, glimmering, like, uh, creatures I, I don't know if it's some sort of uh, cloaking device or whatever like camouflage um but he saw this like like he could see through it but he could also make out the outline of it as it moved kind of like the predator right and, right I, that's what i thought of when you were mentioning that 
Yeah, he he said it was like eight, about eight feet tall from what he could he could estimate, and he said as it moved off to his left oh, above his head and, and and went went kind of the other direction, he got up and he as he turned and he looked, he saw what looked like the outline almost on the top of it what would, what would have been its head was like a wolf, and so he uh, he went he saw it like like and he was like thinking man am I just am I just imagining this or does this literally look like the the head almost looks canine, you know, and he said that it was it, it looked like it was moving its head back and forth, and it was starting to f- come into focus, you know. Um, but he did say that that he saw when when it started to come more into focus, it almost looked like a, a, a human's clothing, but it was very bizarre. And so he ran and he got in his uh, SUV and he took off, and um, yeah, and he said that uh, he got out of there. And he said that that the voice there was a voice in his head that was telling him lay here get up move you know like it was telling him like a voice inside of him, and he said right. that, that that what he thought was going on was that this thing was trying to kill him for whatever reason, and he doesn't know if he just stumbled upon something, but it's close proximity to that base. What was the significance? He didn't know, and he felt like he shouldn't go into that place the next day, and so he didn't show up. And so a couple of years later is when he told us this story and how, and how he wanted to, uh, you know, make this, uh, military, this thing he had designed for the military or he wanted the military to look at it, try to buy it. And, um, but nah, he didn't, he, he told us that story, you know? And, and so he said he waited a couple of years before he tried to do anything else because he was afraid. And, uh, wow. yeah, well, I that, think he did the right thing. Yeah, and when he told us that story, it was all we had started talking about, you know, like this different stuff that had been going on with him, and and like how he ever since that encounter, he felt like there had been something spiritual following him, messing with him, you know. And he doesn't like he like I said, he doesn't know if it had something to do with you know what with the design he had made, or maybe if it was just a coincidence because he said it could very well have just been a coincidence. And then he camped there, and then he came across these people doing whatever they were doing and this thing was like a sentinel and maybe maybe they think that he saw something he shouldn't have and uh that they were they were going after him you know and so it it was very weird his story was was it was a very weird story but um now since then i've gotten three or four other stories about these glimmering looking creatures um you know that's not even that unusual I've heard several stories about that, this cloaking sort of thing that they do. And I've I've heard of different things coming out of that cloak too, like Bigfoot, Dogman, you know, like these uh, almost like, uh, I don't know what you would call them, like soldier looking type people, but, the, but they, they look almost futuristic. I've heard all kinds of different stuff, you know, with this, this the alien looking creatures, you know, it, it just... You know, as soon as you get more research, you should do a show on that. But let me take advantage and ask you, Josh, when you say sentinel, what exactly is the definition, how you're using it? Like a guardian. Like, uh, like, an, like okay. a guardian that, that guards their, their carn. If you want to call it a carn or a cairn or however the heck that you say the word, uh, basically like the, the word that I've read, how it's used is like they, they, it's a place of power for magicians or or whatever and they'll have a guardian spirit that they put in charge of that and very oftentimes i've heard of it as being a wolf-like creature you know and um so so there could it could be i've heard of people using like a reptile type reptilian type entity and that's what these things are and so one of them maybe was looking for him because he was in so that's close proximity to it wow you cannot really share what that device or design was, right? You know, I don't, I don't really know what the repercussions are. I mean, what it would, I, I, I really probably shouldn't. I can tell you off the air, maybe if you want, but I can. Right. I probably shouldn't yeah, say yeah. just because it might. I don't, I don't know. And then, and then, you know, and I lost touch with the guy. The guy went off somewhere to try to get his, you know, stuff patented or whatever. I, I don't know whatever happened to it. Pretty sure it never did make it to the light of day, but. That story, I remember him telling me and, and Squid and, and a couple of my brother and a couple other people 
I just, I just, you know, working in that bar and then doing security and, and just being outgoing in general and knowing I've met so many people and I've met people through people, through people, through people, and just talk to so many people. And every time I meet somebody, you know, I get a paranormal story out of them at some point. <laughs> well, you know, that's why I appreciate your show. It really encompasses different angles because there's so many things out there and they're probably all tied together. But, you know, most shows will only focus on one aspect. And at least here in PRT, it's open-minded enough to really, you know, look at everything. And there's probably a connection. And the more you share, the more stories you get, the better it's going to benefit all of us because we all want answers. Yeah. Well, it's not Mano Paludos, but uh, I try. So... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't know if it exists anymore. I haven't heard it. It's it's been a long time. There used to be, when I lived out in West Texas, there used to be a a show that would come on and it was, it was, it was a TV show and it it would, it would come on like the the public access or whatever out there. I don't know if it was something from when I was a kid, but there was this monkey, a little changuito, you know, and it would come on there and it was, uh, they, they called him Inchima and I don't know the the the, the name, you know, like uh, in Chima. What I don't know where that came from, but uh, yeah, and I would watch it as a little boy, and and I always thought it was really really interesting. Um, so when I was little, I had this monkey, this pet, not pet monkey, but it, they they called it the pet monkey. It was a little Inchima doll, and uh, it was really like a puppet, you know. And uh, I don't know like what year this was. I'm trying to think. I think it was like. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the show because the monkey was called Inchema, but there was a show and, and I'm trying to remember what years it was. I think I was like seven. It was, it was like in the early eighties and I'm, I'm an old guy. I know, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. But uh, Chema, I know short for Anselma or Anselmo, Chemo, but uh, no, it doesn't ring a bell, but you're making me remember there was a, a show that popped up in the early 2000s in the local Juarez channel, channel five. And it was this young guy kind of doing what you're doing now, but uh, he would present on TV certain stories, but I don't know what happened to him. It, the show did not last, but, but yeah. Because I remember, I remember the, 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 the little chango, you know, on there. And I, I, I remember the, the show was like, the, the monkey had like some sort of magic power or something. And it, and it was crazy. And so, they, they, I, I wanted this monkey to be alive because I wanted a pet monkey. You know oh, what I mean? And so I remember, this is weird now. I, I don't know. Uh, I've talked to one sister. She claims she remembers the other one and says she doesn't. But we were playing around with this thing one day and a bunch of our, our cousins and stuff were there on my mom's side. And yeah. we were we were eating like raisins or something. And somebody tried to give this thing a raisin by putting it in its mouth. It's a little puppet. <laughs> And everybody, yeah. like before all of our eyes, like everybody like saw it, except for like one or two people that were there. They don't really remember it the, the same as we do, but the rest of us do. And th- this thing like, like ate it. I mean, like it was a plastic doll and wow. the raisin disappeared and there was no hole there for it to go into. And I was like, whoa, did I just see that? I was a little kid. I was a little bitty. And I remember th- this this uh, thing like eating the raisin or whatever. And I just remember that from that Spanish show. So then years later, you know, the, the Telemundo, whatever, <laughs> el, el Televisión, you know, El Telemundo, the, the the bee guy, you know. And I remember yeah, watching. It used to be the SIN Network, Spanish <laughs> International Network. Yeah. Uh, That's now Univision. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah you, Univision, yeah. Uh, and so I was sitting there watching that, that, that bee and I just started having these like flashbacks to that little puppet thingy, you know, and there were like two of them. There was like one was a little monito. I don't remember. He was like a little dude with a guitar. And then there was like a, the little monkey. And I I remember cutting their strings and trying to to play with them because it was harder to play with them with the little marionette deal, you know? And they were like those kind you get from Mexico, you know, like I was down in the border somewhere like in Pedras Negras or I don't remember exactly like, like Acuna or something, but we went across and, and, and I got those two little toys. And, uh, then when we went back home, you know, I, I 
was playing with it, you know, and, and I always thought, man, I wish thing would, would become, would come alive so I could have a real monkey. And then this, th when it did that with the raisin, it scared me, man. And I went to throw it in the trash and like the next day it was out of the trash, which scared the crap out of me, but it was nothing supernatural. My mom had pulled it out of the trash and was like, why did you throw that away? Well, I was always pretty honest, you know, and I told my mom, I said it ate a raisin and she was, <laughs> she was like, <laughs> Mentiroso, you don't eat no race, <laughs> you know, little pendejo. You know, she's yeah. like, you know, get out of my face, you know. She told me, and I was like, you know, I it did to me, like I thought it did, you know. And so, um, there was two or three other of my cousins that were there that saw it happen. Um, as silly as it sounds, so we we used to be able to even in the city limits of that small town, you would burn your trash, and so. And so we went to throw the trash out, my dad, and so I threw the puppet in there, and it started burning, and my dad was like, why'd you throw that in there? I was like, I don't want it. And when we were walking back to the house, we heard like a, like this weird noise, you know? Now, people say, oh, it's the plastic popping, whatever. No, dude, it sounded like a shriek, like literally like a shriek. And, you know, and when you were talking about that shrieking and the, and the screaming or whatever. And, and that, that kind of reminded me of that too. Like, you know, like how a demonic noise is made through a human, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, for a couple of years after that experience, I was a trucker for two years and, you know, going all over the country, talking to people, I ran into two Satanists who both gave me opposite explanations of the story. One of them said, no, you know what? It's just people getting into a frenzy. And in that state of mind, they can do incredible things, including, you know, making their throat produce sounds that are just unhuman. And the other guy would say, nope, spirit possess these people. I, I wouldn't know. I don't know. But uh, I really like that. In this program, we're able to hear different things. Uh, what do you think about those things I did see, the black stretchy cloth-like things flying around the fire? What I would say, you know, if I, if, if I had to, to put something, it was demonic spirits. I mean, they were conjuring spirits. They were channeling spirits. And a spirit either perfectly possessed or obsessed and then went into them and... and change them or gave them the ability to change you know what i mean like that that's maybe what takes over you know what i mean when they become whatever it is they become i know that there are werewolf and vampire cults both in this town i know that i've actually met oh, a, a okay. couple different people that have can you know professed to be involved with these things and i've actually met them downtown um oh yeah, well, I mean, see, that answers one of my questions that apparently, you know, there is a network. And, well, you know, as a law abiding citizen, as a person of faith that doesn't mess with those things, it's just good to know that you're a child of God. You have a Holy Spirit shield. And in the name of Jesus, anything comes at you, you know, there's some protection as well as the martial arts training. I mean, what, what this older man told me was that the female of the cult would tear apart and eat a man. So he said, I was very fortunate to come away. And, you know, that stuck with me because, like I told you, I wonder how many of the missing people from Missing 411 and others, unexplained, were actually victims in some kind of sacrifice. I mean, what do you think about that? You know, I, I, I think that there is some truth to that, like what he was saying. I mean, if he, if, if he, if he told you that, and I mean, is he's been involved in these kind of ceremonies? Did, did he say that? No, not that he was involved, but that he met that gentleman with the gift and that gentleman's mother and that man were involved in cults and sorcery type things. So when he mentioned that, I mean, I don't recall if I asked him how he knew, but all his information was based on that gentleman with the gift. Okay, so you had a couple other stories, though, you were going to talk about from uh, your wife's hometown, Durango? Right, yeah, that's a part in central Mexico, and a lot of people live in, in ranches and small towns. 
But I've spoken with my sister-in-law, and she told me a story. She and her friends were coming from a party late at night, and instead of taking the bus that would take a while to go around the town, they stopped a few blocks short to walk straight to her house. And she says that, well, I got to go back to the beginning. The backdoor neighbor of my sister-in-law happened to be a lady that even when they were growing up, she was a normal lady, very poor. She was raising some daughters and she would sell tamales and burritos on the street. But, you know, nothing too special about her. But it turns out that in her later years, once uh, my sister-in-law was older, the lady changed. All of a sudden, people were coming to see her because she was doing trabajos, like kind of magical work. But it was from night to day. And the idea was that she made some kind of pact with some entity and it gave her power of divination. And what my sister-in-law recalls literally is that, well, in this small town, everybody knew each other. And she says that it was this other neighbor whose son had emigrated to the United States and it had been many years that she had not heard from him. So she went up to this lady who was now a local celebrity witch. And it turns out that within days of this lady speaking to the witch, that son appeared in less than a week. So whatever she did or conjured up, you know, forced the reactions of life to make this guy come and visit home. And I mean, this is after many, many years of nothing. So that got my sister-in-law's attention. And, you know, her fame started to spread. Well, on this particular night, you know, she had been clubbing and she and her friends were walking towards her own house. And like I said, this witch was a backyard neighbor. So when they're getting closer to her house, she tells me that in the alley right next to where both houses border was this big, giant bird. Now, she did not say it was a lechuza or an owl. It was just a big, tall, bony bird that was cackling and laughing. And these are her words, cackling and laughing. And um, they got scared and ran away. <laughs> uh, another story is one that my wife says when she was smaller, that uh, there was this other man in town, his name, I'm going to call him Santos. Santos, you know, was a regular farmer type guy. And apparently one night he was walking home out, out in the street and he came across a lechuza. But the funny thing is, this lechuza was talking to him. And that he started cussing at it and saying bad words and this and that. Well, this lechuza was this lady because apparently he pulled out a revolver and he said, I'm going to kill you. And then that the bird, the, the owl said, no me mates, Santos, no me mates, no me dispares. Well, he shot anyway. Well, turns out that the next morning, the lady had a wound on her leg. And, you know, I asked her, well, what happened after that? Well, nothing, but, you know, that's one of those stories, and she's very straight up, my wife is. So, you know, when I hear stories like that, the shape-shifting thing has to be related to magic of yeah, some kind. absolutely. That's a very common uh, theme, too. Like, like, people will have a, like, the, the house that Gary, Gary Lopez is a scorpion, a good friend of mine, the house that Gary grew up in, the kids in his neighborhood to had told him when they first moved in over there that there was a lechuza, like a bird that had been caught that was evil and it was hung in the back fence and the next day it was a, it was a witch. <laughs> and so that wow. when he first moved in over there as a little kid, the, the neighborhood kids told him that story and told him that that was a true story and, and he said it, it, it scared him. But that's a very common uh, story. I know my old co-host Sal 
if anybody remembers uh, him telling the story about the uh, his, I think it was his great uncle who had caught the yep. Lachusa and um, would like like I can't remember exactly what he did with it. He he kept it like he he tied it up or something, and uh, he used it with the knots on the rope. I don't know if you remember that. The tr- he did the twelve truths of the world prayer. If you remember that, because I do want to put a disclaimer out there, Josh. While while we're talking about this subject, you know, as a wilderness person, I do respect animals, and I know lechuzas are given a bad rep, especially the barn owl. You know, the heart shaped owl. Yeah. When I go train at night, sometimes I'm running or skipping rope here by a local high school. There's a bunch of little lechuzas, but I mean, they're beautiful animals. They they keep the rodent population down. They're very good for the ecology and the environment. But yeah, I think it's sad when people, through ignorance, kill a lot of these birds and blame them for witches. But to know the truth, you have to either hear them talk in Spanish or English. Otherwise, I think it's just a, a poor animal. Oh, yeah. Getting yeah. A, do, do you do you remember that story? Did you? I mean, being a listener of the show. No, I'm trying to recall it. That particular one with Sal, I don't remember yeah. it. Las Las Doce Verdados del Mundo. You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, Doce Verdades. Yeah, the the Twelve Truths prayer. Do you know that? I know. You know what? I'm not familiar yeah. with that one. Yeah, it's called Las Doce Verdados del Mundo. For anybody who who, who doesn't know exactly what that is. And it's the it's the twelve truths prayer, and I remember in that ep- I don't remember exactly in the episode, but we were talking about it, and um, so I did some research on it and and looked it up or whatever. But it's something that you do uh, to protect you from from these evil creatures. And so his either his uncle or his great uncle had caught this thing, and uh-huh. they that he he had to say the prayer, and each day he would he would pull a knot out. Um, of this, oh. of you know, of the of the uh, rope or whatever, and say the part of the prayer, the twelve truths, and it would ri- writhe in agony. This bird, and eventually he freed it, and it made it promise before God that it would not um, do this magic and be this evil creature anymore. Uh, and he, it had to promise it for its own uh, life. And so, wow. yeah, and so this bird, I guess it had flown over his uncle or his great uncle, whichever, and he, he managed to hit it with a rock or something and, and floored it. And it turned out to be a, a woman, like a, a harpy looking female witch that was, you know, but, uh, that, that was a crazy story that he told. And, and so I, I just remember that the story. And, and then of course he had to speak the prayer of the 12 truths and, and, and eventually that's, that's how it, how it all came out. There's a lot of uh, legends and things that go back, um, especially in Mexico, where there's so many of of these um, stories that, that have their roots, you know, deep in Mexico, but the, the Mexican people bring it with them wherever they go. And they're very unique to Mexican culture. Now, there are some that are Latino in nature, as in they can be Cuban, they can be uh, El Salvadorian, they can be Chilean, they can be Mexican, they can be all, because they're all from a Spanish base or whatever. But then th- there's a lot of them, though, like La Llorona. And that one is, in particular, like very Mexican. It's not from the other Latino cultures. And the, the La Llorona is very Mexican tradition, and it comes from the Siege of Tenochtitlan. Uh, I, I really believe right, that that's, yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, a classic because as 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 to yeah, when the Spanish right. were conquered, yeah, uh, an old woman was heard wailing, "My children, my children, we are lost." And I believe that it's something that's been ingrained in the Mexican soul. And I believe that it only affects Mexicans. Like if if there's a if there's a a, a black person or, or a white person, and there's a group of Mexicans, like I can attest to this. Like I I, I talked to a guy recently who. There was a group of them at the Kamal River, and they were they were you know riding the tubes, whatever. And they had two two black guys and a, and, a, and a white couple that were with them, and there were like seven eight uh, Mexicanos. They were all Mexican, and um, a couple of them were Tejano, but the others were you know straight straight Mexicano, you know. And uh, 
they they basically were telling me that 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 all of the Mexicans saw and heard La Llorona, but the 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 black guys and the the white people did not. Wow. They they didn't wow. see it or hear it, and they were right there, and they were like, "What are you seeing?" And they they couldn't even. One of the the, the women the the of the white couple, the white female heard like a, a crying, but the other dudes didn't hear anything. They just heard like water splashing, which is weird. But I've heard this before. Like it's something that's like a like a sangre curse or something. You know what I mean? Like it's in your blood. You know, it's like it's something in in your maybe in your brain or your blood. the sangre. I don't know what it would be in, but in or in your corazón. I don't know. It's but it's something that's in us that 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 that's worthy kind of, of experiments and perception. Yeah, because you know more than in the blood. Maybe just growing up with certain belief systems make you more susceptible something i think Mm -hmm. susceptibility i honestly think that la llorona is a tulpa it's like a tulpic spirit that was created out of that chaos that went on at the siege of tenatalan and at the end when when the aztecs knew that it was over and I don't necessarily say that the Aztec Empire falling was a bad thing. I mean, because they they did commit human sacrifice on a scale that's never before been seen. It's never been seen before or since. It's been un, it was unreal how many people they they would kill on a daily basis just so the you know the sun would rise. Right. But it, it it was very uh, it was uh, at the end. You know when it was when it was over. You know and the siege was was ending. The Spaniards and the Tlaxcalans uh, and their and their other allies eventually prevailed, and the Aztecs were overthrown. and And of course, they the 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 river the the lake you know was where the woman supposedly she was heard wailing. And then some of the stories were that she jumped into the water. Something happened that day, and created some sort of tulpa out of that misery and, and failure and defeat. And the subjugation that took place, you know, as subsequently. So you you, you look at it from like uh, the raza, you know, like like it's an entire. It encompasses the whole race of the of the Mexican people, you know. Right. Th- that it's really oh, something. Sense. Yeah, something that's ingrained in the Mexican people, whether Indios, mestizos, or, or Span- Spaniards, you know. It's it's just there, and it's it's always there. And if you're around water, certain types of water, you know, and and the the, the number of stories that I've gotten about the La Llorona, the number of people who've talked about hearing it and seeing it, it, it makes you think that it's it's something that's that that is very uh, Mexican. Um, I'll give you an example, another example. Arturo, a friend of mine who's Cuban, his wife is Mexican. She's from from Mexico, and he was born in Cuba, but he's very Americanized, and he's been here for a long time. Uh, he came over here when he was like six. <clears throat> His family escaped the horrors of communism, and they ended up over here. And uh, so, the you know, one of the things that he said that him and his wife had an experience with La Llorona, she saw it. Uh, her sister and her tío saw it. They, her uncle, they all saw it, but he didn't. Like he did not see it. Like he, he was there. He heard something, but he didn't see it. So it makes you wonder, like, why is it that that the Mexicanos, you know, can see it, but the the other Latinos, the and the Walios and the black people, how come they don't see it? But it's something that Mexicans see. Um, I've only heard once or twice of non-Mexican persons or people uh, having encounters with this entity. So that's food for thought. I mean, I, I don't know why that is. And but the Lachusa is a little different. Like, I got a first cousin on my dad's side who's who's straight up he's a white guy, you know, and he he saw Lachusa with, with two other uh uh Mexican guys that we, we grew up with. I mean, you know, that that he knows very well and um that, that he grew up with or whatever, and they saw it uh with him. That's very common, like you'll you'll hear about People who are non-Mexican, they will see or hear the Lachusa, but not necessarily La Llorona. It's almost like that. That that's that's a uh, something that's strictly in in the Mexican mind or or whatever. Right. Wow. You know, uh, the thought came to me as you were describing that ancient civilization of human sacrifice and the deities they have, but all around the globe, 
you know, makes you wonder if those deities were really demons that showed up or or just people needed to create a godlike figure. Because you're right, uh, Aztecs would sacrifice humans for these deities, but, you know, other places around the world from Babylon and Sumeria and all these other places also had, you know, look at the Egyptians with Anubis and the crocodile-headed creatures and uh, alligator ones, crocodile ones, and the birds that troll. I mean, makes you think. But see, this is why this topic is so deep. Well, I, th- I think that Huitzilopochtli was the, 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 the god that they had to sacrifice for. I mean, he was basically like the, the deity of the sun and human sacrifice and war. That's what he did. He presided over those things. And um, the, 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 the focal point of their civilization was war conquest. They, had, they were taking over all of the neighboring tribes the reason that it was easy for the Spaniards to overthrow them was not easy, but like the way it went down, the the reason that they were able to do it and do it easier than you would think was just because the other Indians were sick of their crap. <laughs> they wanted them. They wanted yeah. them gone because they were not. They were not happy. They were being wiped out. The Tabascans, the Tlaxcalans. There were many other Indian Native uh, Native uh, American tribes in in Mexico who were obliterated that we have no record of. We don't even know anything about them because they were either absorbed into the Aztec Empire or they were wiped out. We we know of some of them, like the Mixtecs and the Zapotecs and, and whatever, and they eventually submitted to the Aztecs and became a part of their kind of like their vassal states. There were five in particular a confederation that kind of made up the Aztec empire, but they were not necessarily the Aztec people themselves, kind of like how Russia had control of the Soviet Union, but Ukraine, Belarus, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, they were not all, they were not Russian. You really couldn't tell them apart. If you put one next to the other, the the nationality, they were not Russian, but it became a rush. They became Russia. Like the USSR was basically Russia. Although all those countries were in the sphere of influence of the USSR. And then, of course, all these other countries that fell under communism, um, like Czechoslovakia, which is really the Czech Republic, and um, Slovakia, now two different countries. But then they were one country, and they fell under the influence along with Poland, East Germany, Bulgaria, Hungary, um, Serbia. So they all fell under under that sphere of influence. Romania, it was under the Iron Curtain. But they all made up the vassal states of the USSR. And, of course, I just named the other countries that were part of the USSR. Now, when the Aztecs took over, just a real quick history lesson, they they began by defeating the neighboring tribes. They came from the north. And the other tribes, the only thing they knew, the Tlaxcalans told Cortez and his people that the Aztecs came from somewhere in the north. I have a theory about it. I believe that they came from as far north as Wisconsin. And I believe that the, 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 wherever you see where the corn if you follow the corn all the way down from the north, all the way down into Texas, all the way down into Mexico, you also will find the dogman because they had a, a deity that was also um, a ferocious, evil deity. He, and he was a dog-headed... Um, he yeah, was I'm a, trying to recall the name because... I, I, it's not Peely, but it's got a weird name. Yeah, he, like he's got a weird name. Dog. I'm going to try and get it here. Anyways, it was a dog-headed. Me and Linda Godfrey, when we did the show together, we talked about this, uh, the Aztec connection or whatever. And it's interesting that we get on the, the whole subject of that. You know, we went down the rabbit hole with this one. But I'll <laughs> tell you that the Aztec deity, uh, there's a dog-headed. Let me, let me uh, make sure because I think I know how to say it, but I'm not 100%. Because I don't know Nahuatl. <laughs> like, Nahuatl, yeah. Nahuatl, Nahuatl, whatever. <laughs> I can't say it. Like, <laughs> uh, 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 and this is of the Aztecs. So, Zolotl, that's how you would say it. Zolotl, yeah, that's yeah. right. It starts with an X. X, Zolotl. yes. Zolotl uh, was like a werewolf god that they, that they worshipped. And now, 
basically he was like a, a skeleton, um, like a monster and his feet were backwards. And, uh, he served as a companion to the Aztecs in the afterlife. And so, yeah, so that, that, that was very, and there's a type of dog like Zolotl Quetl or something like that, that they, that they actually are a Mexican breed of dog. I, yeah, I don't know exactly Zolotl, what it, Zolotl yeah, I know which one you're talking about. In fact, there's a soccer team in Tijuana and that's their name. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, and so that 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 particular breed of dog is is Zolo whatever it's called. Um yeah. but but they but they're known to have been a breed since the Aztecs. And so but they had a god uh Zolotl that was was a companion like and he was a guardian of the if I remember correctly, he's a guardian of the afterlife and you know like he guarded the dead or whatever. And he had a lot to do because the Aztecs were doing a lot of killing. So uh, he was busy doing a lot of guarding. And so uh, Huitzilopochtli was their was their main um, – he wasn't their main deity. They served Quetzalcoatl. They wanted him to return. That was their main goal was to, was to have him return or whatever. But Huitzilopochtli was definitely the one that was do- they were doing all the sacrificing to. And I believe that there were there is a the very similar aspect to a lot of these deities, like Moloch. You know, if you look at the the ancient gods, Marduk, all those from the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Mesopotamians, uh, the Hittites, the Persians, Rimfan. It says in, in in the book of Timothy, it talks about Rimfan and and basically him that being the temple of of Rimfan that that in the Israelites were getting in trouble because they were they were serving him which is another name for Moloch and the names just continue to change but yeah you're you're talking about the same deities Baphomet which is the 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 goat-headed deity right yeah you know, and 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 it's funny because the similarities between him and Moloch Moloch being you know the ancient uh, Babylonian god uh, uh, that that uh, demanded human and child sacrifice which was uh um, yeah, so that was Moloch and, and they, they look very similar. I think they're just different incarnations of the same gods, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's amazing. I mean, you know, your history and connecting all the dots between different civilizations. I just wonder if they really are demons or just conjured up ideas, but getting back to the shape shifting though, I mean, every culture has it. Don't you agree? Well, if if you looked at this, the, the, here's one I was going to tell you. Like we're talking about the gods, right? The shape shifting and all that. It's it's a, it's a way to perform cannibalism, okay? Which has been a tenet of of, of a lot of these uh, demonic, satanic, whatever initiates and, and things that they do. A lot of it they do they do do things like that. I, I've talked to people who've been a part of these things, not friends with them, but they've they've been they've told me, you know. Oh, share share. Well, there's a name, there's a word called Canaan, okay? That's the land that the Israelites were sent into by God to take over, and they were to destroy the the inhabitants because a lot of them were were evil. I believe that a lot of them were remnants of the Nephilim. They were giants. It talks about them being giants and Joshua, you know, and and Caleb, and they had to destroy them. And these these, uh, giants were, were, they worshiped a god called Baal, okay? Baal was basically the precursor to Moloch. Moloch was the precursor to Marduk. Marduk was the precursor to Rimfan. Rimfan was the precursor to Baphomet. It's all it all goes in line, and it goes with each civilization: um, the Sumerians, then the Mesopotamians, then the Hittites, and then the Assyrians, and then the Babylonians, and then the Persians, and then it just goes on and on and on. So the, the the last captivity of the Israelites was in Persia, and by Cyrus the Great r- released them. They took a lot of what they learned in Persia back to Israel and changed a lot of things. A lot of people believe that the that the story of Noah is based on the Epic of Gilgamesh, and it's just another name because there is a very similar story about a hero who who gets on a boat and does this just just like um, Noah, but it's a Persian story. So, anyways, the, these the, the, it goes back to Canaan, and then the word. If you take the word Canaan, it, it's can it's canon, like Canaan, Canaan, whatever. And the word Baal, if you put those two words together, what do you have, Arturo? Huh? Cannonball? <laughs> Cannonball. Cannibal. 
cannibal. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you take Canaan cannibal. And so what is a cannibal? A cannibal is somebody who eats his own kind. So human humans eating humans. Like when when the guy told you that she would feast on your on your body, it's it's can it's it's cannibal cannibalism. It's a very uncomfortable subject for a lot of people, I'm sure. But it, the, the bottom line is, you probably were uh, spared that night by an angel of God. Yeah, That's I, all I can tell you. I do feel that way. Yep. You look at um, cannibalism and and where it originated from, and and how it's still being practiced to this day. Whether through blood drinking, as the vampire cults do, or a wolf cult that would do would kill and devour you, yeah, and 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 I do believe that they shapeshift. I I really do. Um, there's a lot of people who have told me a lot of stories of the things that they've seen, and I do have some shapeshifter uh, stories. And I think maybe people feel a little bit more open telling me and giving me their stories because of the other people out there that they, they won't even touch the subject. They won't go into the subject of shape-shifting and things like that because they want to believe, like, I, I think naively that uh, everything is just one way. And, and I don't agree with that. I don't think that Dogman is strictly just a physical flesh-and-blood creature and it's just running around out there all the time the way it is. I did at one time, you know, especially going back to the Hernandez Ranch uh, episodes, on Vic's show. And I started to realize now with some of the the information that's come to light that it is not necessarily that way. Um, there is a little more going on, um, than, than we could possibly understand. And, and, and it's, gosh, it's going to be interesting once I wrap it all up and get it going. And, and we, we release that, you know, because, uh, I think that there's a lot of information that needs to be shared with, yeah. with everyone. You know, as far as what you saw, I can't say a hundred percent. I don't know exactly who it was or what it was. And, and if I did, I wouldn't really feel comfortable talking, you know, because it's, it, you know, people like that are dangerous. And part of the reason I, I wanted to go out with my name, our audience is more open-minded than regular folk. But like you said, even within this group, there's some people that won't touch this particular you know, queasy subject, but the idea is to share and learn. So, you know, I really appreciate you telling us all this insight. It's, it's really wonderful. Yeah. And I appreciate you coming on and talking about it too. One of the things I was going to tell you though, I mean, like just, you know, at going into the future, just stay prayed up, you know, and always be on your guard and realize what you're dealing with. You know, folks out there listening at home, this is probably one of the most important shows I think I've done since we've been talking about this because I'm going to tell you something that has a message and and I'll tell you why it is because somebody came across something that could have killed him but you know you were I think you were spared you know and I think that it's important that you come out and talk about it and we talk about it and uh, I believe that the in the power of prayer and I believe that God protects his own and people, those kind of people can do a lot of things that, that are, that'll make people go, wow. But in the, at the end of the day, you know, th those kind of things, the, the way that they can do and what they can do, you're paying a heavy price right? and the price exactly. is just too much. I mean, it exacts a heavy price for, for that kind of uh, power or whatever. And it's really not enough power to, t I mean, it's a sucker's deal. Uh, you know, I've been presented with sucker's deals many times and at my most desperate, I'm like, nope. I'll fall on my knees and, and walk as a beggar in the street. And I'll always, you know, believe in God and follow Christ. Um, there's nothing you can do. You can put a gun to my head. You can, you can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. It's never, it's nothing is going to change my faith. I'm not going to deny God. I'm not going to deny Christ. It's never, it's never going to happen. So, um, I walk comfortably in my life, my day-to-day -day life, knowing that, you know, that's my insurance policy. Even if you kill me, I'm still going to, I'm still going to win. I'm fine. You know, I'm not going to be worried. Uh, and some people can't go to you sleep know, at night and hoping that they don't on die. On that note, I'm sorry, I didn't want to interrupt, but on that note, and taking advantage that a lot of people are listening, and maybe that 25-year-old guy that was driving the white truck, if he is listening, I just want to tell you, brother, you know, if you put your life in Christ, you know, you're going to come away with a better deal. 
And I want to thank you for warning me that night. In case you're listening, I'm talking directly to you. And I want to thank you. And I want to thank you, Josh. Well, you know, my brother, I don't know if you know his story, but uh, he no. was he was a Satanist. And no, he, no. Yeah, and he converted. He converted to Christianity. He left a life behind and he he realized that a lot that that you know 20 years or well 15 years I guess serving serving the devil didn't do anything for him. I mean, he had nothing to show for it. He was, you know, destitute and he had drug problems and all kinds of other things and he's been delivered. He doesn't do those things anymore. He's been clean for years and uh he stays on the straight and narrow and does what he's supposed to do. And lives his life as an abiding, up, up, up and a, a law-abiding citizen, upstanding citizen, and uh, that's important that, that you know he turned himself around because he could have ended up dying and going to hell. And, right. and I'm glad that he didn't. I stayed working on him and finally got him, you know, to 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 come to the realization. Like I was like one day I told him I said, "What have, what have this, what has this evil done for you? It doesn't do anything for you. It makes you old. That's it." It does nothing for you. I mean, you you know, in the end, even the the greatest prize it could offer, if it gave you the entire world, what is that to to losing your soul for all eternity? I mean, there's no right. comparison. And there's so many people out there who won't believe that, and they won't they won't believe it. They won't get it. But I've I've seen the spirit world firsthand over and over and over and over and over again, and I know what I'm talking about, and I know that that is the absolute truth. There is no other way. I mean. You can go here and go there and whatever and pull and twist and turn, but it doesn't change facts. And that's the facts, you know, in the end, we're all going to learn the truth. We're all going to know who is, who God is, you know, and, and we're going to all be judged and based on what we've done or haven't done, you know, and I think that there is, I do believe in karma. I believe that there's justice in karma and I believe that some of us pay it here and then the rest of us have to pay it on the, and the other side. Either way, you're going to pay. I mean, there's no getting out of it. Any power you get is going to come with a heavy price. And those people that are doing those kinds of things and serving those false gods, they paid a huge price. And I'll say this, the Aztec Empire paid a heavy price. I mean, they absolutely did. There's a lot of uh, Mexicanos and even Latinos in general that would celebrate the Aztecs. And, and being a history major, I learned a lot about the Aztecs. I read a ton about them. Everything I could find, I read about those people fascinated with their with their fascination with uh, life and death and how they lived their lives and I, I read about the mayans the incans all, all these different ancient cultures and civilizations i studied it all every book i could get my hands on as a kid i was reading you know from an early age you know the library was one of my favorite places and i learned a lot about the aztecs and i learned that as even as mexican people it's not really something to look back on and be like oh this is a source of pride because it wasn't it wasn't something to be prideful about. It was a, a, a Aztlan was a horror. It was a horror show. They would they would commit so much human sacrifice that the entire month of October they, they they couldn't even drink the water out of their own lake. They had to go and get water from a neighboring lake just because that they would pollute the the water with blood. So if you look at a culture who serves the god of death so faithfully the way they did. And now you look at like there's entire cults now that have, have built up around it, like you know Santa Muerta. You know they they worship the, the, the saint of death, and it's it it seems to be a throwback of the Aztec. You know w w I think we'll always be be as as a Mexican people we'll always be have that in us to be good or bad. Like most races, all people, all religions, but in the Mexican people, there's like a struggle within. You know, there's two there's two wolves fighting all the time, uh, in particular in the mestizo. You know, because you have a Spaniard and you have a, an Indios that were never really supposed to be around each other, and they ended up becoming one. And then you you look at, yeah, you you look at the the Mexican culture and you think that some of these stuff is like uh, it's like the curse. You know, it's like a, a curse in the blood, like La Llorona, You know, the woman that wailed. And then the story of the Leyarona, just so everybody knows quickly here, uh, was a woman who who wanted this man. She went out with him, and and uh, she started dating him, whatever. And he told her, oh, I, "I don't want kids." So she had two kids or three kids, whatever. And he told her, well, "I don't, I don't want to have kids, you know." And, and I'm sorry. So he left her, and so in order to get him back, 
she went crazy. She went and she drowned her kids in the river. And so that, that's the story, right? I mean, um, and and so he told her though, after she did all that, he goes, no, I don't, I don't want you, you, you know, you, you know, where are your kids? Did you kill them? And she admitted, she says, yeah, I did. I killed them for you. And so he, he was like disgusted by her. So she went and she threw herself in the river and drowned. So, um, so that's one version. There's another version that he killed her or that she was taken to the magistrate and hung, but either way she was sentenced, uh, to, to roam the earth to find her children. And until she found them, she was going to be wandering the earth. But I really believe that La Llorona comes from the, the original, like from, from the, the, the night of the wailing woman and, and when the, the walls of Tenochtitlan were, were beset, you know, and, and they, they were, the, the Spaniards conquered, you know, and I believe that the, that the final battle, they heard the woman yelling and wailing and <clears throat> the, the legend is that she drowned herself in the water. Now it's weird that that's an eerie parallel. And then the Mexican people would see her. And so they came up with a, with a, with a neat story that there was a woman that lost her kids. That's why she went around saying, my children, my children, my kids, my kids. But it was the same that the story was told, you know, that, that there was a woman that wailed all night. All is lost, my children, my children, all is lost. But the story now is that, oh, I've lost my children, I've lost my children. You know, that's an excellent analysis, and I, I agree with it. It's very, very true. Hey, I have a question, and you've already answered a bunch of them. But uh, when I was telling you about what I heard in the funeral home coming from a corner in the ceiling, you know, the crying, the moaning, the pain. I mean, people go to funeral homes to cry over loved ones. Do you think it was just an echo or something else? That's a tough one. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, that, 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 that question, I, I, I just, what do you feel it was? Well, I mean, from what I've read, they say that things get trapped, especially in a corner like that, where every day in and out people cry and somehow the wall absorbs, I don't want to say energy because I think that word is misused a lot, but maybe the echo when it's really dark at night, it comes out. And that's what I think it was. I mean, it, it was real. The moaning, the pain, the crying, the sobbing, I heard it clearly, but it was coming from the corner. Huh. Just weird. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I can't tell you. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd have to have a lot more information, you know, like what, what it could have been, like what, what could have caused it. I have no idea. Blood and emotions saturate the environment. I know that. And they can cause uh, a residual haunting. Right, like I've heard the uh, prison stories where, you know, in certain rooms there was a black presence mm, driving people wild. Yeah. Did you listen to our show about the prison, paranormal prison stories? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. I'm telling the, you. We talked great, about great those. Show. I, 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 yeah. and, and I can't tell you what, what it was that you, what, what you, you know, I can't just, it's, I can speculate. I mean, I guess I could say, that it was something that, that either a, a spirit that was trapped there or it chose to dwell there or it was a residual haunting. I mean, I, I have no idea. Well, Josh, I, I really appreciate you having me on and helping me understand what I went through. I feel much better. And, you know, you did answer a lot of questions. I really appreciate that. And once again, by sharing this out there, it might help others understand their surroundings or just avoid certain dangerous situations. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sometimes don't be too curious. <laughs> you know, things are things are what they are, and you just have to be careful and not um, not not get too close. Sometimes, right? Like I told you, I like adventure, but I'm not stupid, and I turned around. Huh. Well, next time, yeah. bring your kids. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what was up with that? So that made me think that the lady was in on it. Uh-huh. I mean, remember I told you I felt I was being buttered up and she was way too nice? Yeah. I mean, who who would say something like that? Yeah. Like, geez, come on. My kids, <laughs> no way. Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Arturo, it's been uh, Arturo 
Arturo, yeah. however you want to say it, it's been it's been uh, real, and I, I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for coming on oh, the show and, and telling your story. So all of you out there listening, from whatever spaceship you're piloting that you've hijacked from the uh, <laughs> from the Pleiades, um, whatever uh, storybook uh, creature that's come to life and is chasing you around your house, good night.